Welcome into TFW Live, the best kept secret in fantasy football, where we keep that week one feeling going all year long. This is episode 303, Busts, Breakouts, and Sleepers with Justin Boone from The Score. I'm Austin Sear, and as always, joined here by at least one of my best friends. This time we got Johnny Game Time Hicks. What's up, my dude? What up? Welcome to you, Whisper Nation. Albert, Jersey J, Ronald Calicomet in the house. It's great to see you guys as always. And a lot of gratitude as well for our members on YouTube who support the show through a monthly subscription. Shout out to our latest additions here. Bailey Ziegler, Kevin Davi, Nick, Brett Zabo, John Credit, Eric Lorenzen, Donnie Tubbs, Jersey J, and The Hannibal. And of course, a shout out to our patrons who've been with us throughout. We have big updates to our Patreon coming this month. Stay tuned. And if you'd like to join our growing list of YouTube members, just click join next to the video right now unless you're watching on facebook then go over to youtube and then do it on youtube (laughs) as always we love to start with recognizing some of the newest members of whisper nation those who subscribed or followed us on social media in the last couple of days omar mendez the bow 22 jackie pena patrick john 87 ron napier 9256 killy bid King Billy D, excuse me, that jumped in a little weird. B. Schuler 1012, Maurice Mackin, and Oscar Perez. And if you would love fantasy football and want to join a community where you know that you belong, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. We're trying to get just one more subscriber today, just one more, and it could be you. Who knows? If you're new to the show, shout us out. Let us know where you're streaming in from. We want to give you a call out here on the show. And on today's show, we are joined by a very special guest. We've got the lead fantasy analyst over at The Score. Let's go. As well as Fantasy Pro's most accurate expert in 2019, including seven straight top seven finishes. Let's He's go. Score Fantasy go. Podcast. Whisper Nation, please welcome into the show, Justin Boone. Woo! What's up, guys? What's up, Justin? How are you? Appreciate you guys having me. I love what you guys are doing here. I'm, I'm really excited to come on, help support the show, and, and talk some football tonight. I'm just worried we're going head-to-head with some preseason games here, so right. not sure if we're going to get as many uh, viewers as you usually get. Yeah, we might, we might not. So maybe we got two screens. Wow. Maybe we got some things going on. Good point. Football is coming up. We are very excited for yeah. that, and we are very oh. excited, Justin, to get to know you a little bit better and introduce you here to Whisper Nation. We're going to run through some of these uh, rapid fire ish questions. We'll see how much we take in, but uh, let's get to it yeah. here. Justin, what year did you start playing fantasy football? For me, it was, I would say, early 2000s. I don't know if I know the exact year, but I was in university at that point. And uh, that's when I first started putting together leagues with buddies. Right on. Wow. And do you root for your NFL team or your fantasy team more? Uh, I root for my rankings, to be honest. It's been that way for a while. I I mean, I want the Bills to do well, and it's great. I think that's partially because the Bills were so bad for so long, too, that I kind of became numb to it a little bit. And it's just been in the last few years that they're actually kind of playoff contenders and maybe even Super Bowl contenders now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I want my fantasy teams to win, but I also have so many fantasy teams that you're kind of like rooting against yourself at some point, right? So for me, it was always I want the rankings to be good. Because that means I'm going to do well in my leagues, probably. And it means everybody that follows me is going to do well. So it's really about the rankings. When you, when you sometimes get into like that weird mental space where you're like, okay, I've got these three leagues and I care about them all. And I need this guy to score this many, but not so much that he does this. And if he could score a touchdown, but that's it, we'd all be in a happy space. Exactly. That's chasing the dragon, baby. That's what it's uh, all about. 
Let's go. Favorite fantasy player all time, Justin. Ladanian Tomlinson. Yeah, uh, I would say like he had those great years with the Chargers. And I feel like when people talk about like the best fantasy players of all time, like I don't feel like he gets brought up enough. If you want to go more recent, it's probably one of like the the value plays, like a, like a Robert Woods, who was like giving you top Let's fifteen go, numbers, trees, baby. Or machine. Oh, we go. Yeah, you know, top Four fifteen daddy. numbers like every year. We'll all see what time. he can do this year. And you know, I didn't get hurt last year, but even before that, he was doing all right. Mm-hmm. And you were getting him so cheap in the middle rounds. Mister always beats his ADP, Robert oh. Woods. How about on the other side, Justin, a fantasy player that's burned you the most? Ooh. That, that is a really tough question. Been burned mm-hmm. by many. Um, <laughs> Devontae Parker is one that I know I had him on a bunch of dynasty leagues. That's a good, you know, a few years in, Whoa. hadn't done anything. I think I even dropped him in a couple leagues. Just, you know, after two, three years, it's not going to happen. And then he had, what was it, like a fifth year breakout, which almost yeah. like never happens. And then went back to doing nothing. And now on the Patriots, and getting he that might hype. actually be good this year. Who yeah, knows? Getting right? the hype. So, getting the super, hype. super frustrating guy there. Yeah. Maybe Paris Campbell too. I had a lot of oh, high hopes go. for him. Paris let's Campbell. Go. I'm I'm dying on that hill though. I'm still yes. on the Paris Campbell you. train. And you know, if he burns me again, I'll I'll accept it. I'm not I, I, on the sword yet, but I'm I dropped I got off that train this year. Johnny picked him up <laughs> in our dynasty league of records. So yeah. kind of going on this way. Yeah. Favorite live draft memory, Justin. Uh, way back in the day, going back to like my early days, um, when Ricky Williams, uh, remember the year that he was suspended and ended up playing in the CFL, he was on the Toronto Argonauts for a year. And I was doing a a regular NFL fantasy draft. And one of my buddies had the fourth pick overall. And I don't know if he didn't know, or if he had just forgotten, or he had too many beers, or I don't know what it was. He took Ricky Williams fourth overall in a year where Ricky Williams is not going to play in the NFL. And the room just erupted. Everybody went nuts. I absolutely love that answer. That's a, that's a special answer for Johnny and I, our league of record, we're going on year 12 or 13 right now. Ricky Williams is like our league's avatar because in Year one, uh, Jeremy, a.k.a. J-Bone, which I'll share why that's relevant later, (laughs) he had his partner, Rosie, with him, and she's a bigger football fan than he is, and she loves Ricky Williams. And Jeremy likes football, but he didn't totally know, and he's like, I'm looking at my first-round pick. Who should I take? And Rosie's like, you are taking Ricky Williams. That is the answer. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, okay, I'll take Ricky Williams. And he takes him, and then she's like, yes! And we're all like, what? This is when he was a Baltimore Raven? At the point, he's not a, I don't even know if he's a second string running back at this point, but you know, she's got the history. She's got it there. He didn't win a single game that entire season. He went not a, not a single one. Owen 13. We've named our last place Jersey, the J boned. And it's got that on the back. And then Ricky Williams, we've got, we've got like our $1,500 title belt that we purchased with a custom graphic of Ricky Williams storming through the Ponderosa pine forest of Flagstaff, Arizona, knocking down the things, holding a basket of, of uh, Buffalo wild wings. Cause that's where we had our initial draft at. So I love it. You fired me up there talking about, we we absolutely do. What's a sound that you love. Now, I told you before the show that I love like the non-fantasy questions. And this was the one that when I saw it, it made me like think so hard because I have no idea what my answer would be. Uh, thunderstorms, maybe? Like Ooh, I love thunder. That's like, thunder is menacing one. as hell, right? Oh, and great. You, I love you, you that get answer. the combo. You get the rain, like the heavy rain, and then you get the, the powerful like boom. Like so uh, thunderstorms will say. Dude, that's great answer. Great answer. Great answer. Favorite swear word. 
some variation of fuck. Uh, <laughs> I would say probably fucking hell is probably <laughs> fucking hell is like the one when I'm really mad about something. That's the one where I'm just muttering fucking to hell. myself. Yeah, I, uh, I get mad if I do something stupid. I'd really get mad at myself at all. Yeah, that's the one that I throw at myself quite a bit. I like that. What are the most leagues you played in at one time? It's probably right now. Um, I mean, not even counting like best ball and, you know, charity leagues and all that sort of stuff. I think I'm up around like 20 managed leagues. It might Ooh, be just wow. under 20 at this point. Okay. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, like the waiver wire nights in the season, just a nightmare. It's, it's like a job. It's not even fun. <laughs> I, so I have to do people ask why I go so in depth on my waiver wire article on Mondays during the season. Jake, and like it's because this. of that. I'm in so many different leagues. I have to do the research on Monday so that I don't have to do it on Tuesday night when I don't have time. Right. Yep. I love that you stay dedicated to those leagues. It's not an answer we get all the time from all of the analysts <laughs> that come on. It makes yeah, it's, I, it's nice. I'm very competitive. I can't walk away. I want the bragging rights with your friends, former coworkers, all that sort of stuff. Love it. Most exciting fantasy football moment. I would say, I mean, not to keep going back to the rankings, but like winning the fantasy pros accuracy contest. Like mm. I let that, consume me for a while like when i started to do well as you should year but not win it like i just said i'm incredibly competitive so it wasn't even and it wasn't even like a moment because i was leading for a while at the end of the season and i kind of had a lead and we knew like i was unless i did something really stupid i was probably going to take it home but it wasn't even like i didn't want i didn't care about the accolades i didn't care about like the trophy which is great but all i wanted was that moment when like i opened up the laptop the season was over. I looked at the list and my name was at the top of it. And then I could just, that was like the moment that like, I felt really, really happy. I also had one though. If you want like a specific fantasy league, I had a, a league last year with buddies. I had been in it for five or six years now. Um, and I hadn't won yet. And it was the only league that I'm in where like, I've been in for more than two or three years and I had never won it. And my buddies were just relishing in that, right? Like prevent the analysts from winning. Yeah, They're yeah, all yeah. trying to stop me from getting it. And finally, last year, I took home the title. So I took a little bit of my winnings. I went on Cameo, and I found uh, Gilbert yeah. Godfrey to Let's do a go. Cameo and just roast everyone in the league. Oh, oh nice. so a, good. Did a phenomenal job. It was excellent. And then sadly, a couple months later, he passes away. So it was uh, kind of bittersweet in the end. But he gave us a, a great gift before he went. That video That's is going to last awesome. for a long time. Holy hell. What a, what wow. a keepsake now. Yeah. Is Life you gotta, always you gotta release that video. No, I, you, I believe me, I cannot <laughs> release that video. You've given us some ideas now. I know Johnny's yeah. mind is working right oh, now. Yeah. I made this. a mistake too, and I shared it with the guys in the league. I didn't put not suitable for work, and we had one guy who watched it in front of his one of his kids and then realized oh, and had to shut no. it off halfway through. We had somebody watch it at work with the sound on, so Let's I might have go. gotten some people in trouble with that one. Why is Iago oh. calling you a fucking hoe? <laughs> <laughs> favorite game day beverage i don't really have one um like during the season like i behind the curtain a little bit here i don't really drink much during the season like alcohol wise um like in the off season i'm a big bourbon guy but during oh, okay. the season i don't really have like a a drink of choice yeah i don't know if i'm at a game like if i'm tailgating just give me whatever beer we got like i'm just ready to go and party but um yeah, like if I'm watching from home and stuff, I don't know. I don't really have one. I don't have an answer for that. I'm gonna pass. That's on that all, one. We we get we get a wide range of answers on that one. Coffee and water, though, we get up. We get I, a decent quite, amount quite often. Yeah. I have let coffee kind of sneak into the rotation a little more. Mm -hmm. Up until like a few years ago, I was not a coffee guy. It was like extremely rare 
Um, but in the last couple of years, I have started to lean on it a little bit more. I like, I like, like the, the cold brew. You. So maybe, oh. maybe that's my answer. Cold brew. Cold, cold brew. brew is dope. Best movie theater snack. A sour, sour patch kid, sour candy. Yeah. I love okay. sour candy. And I, I just went to see, um, uh, Jordan Peele's new movie. Nope. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Oh. And just a huge thing of sour patch kids during that movie. So oh, easy okay. answer there. I like that. Last question, Justin. Kickoffs in two minutes. You're still deciding your flex in your number one league. Do you go with your gut or your weekly rankings that were no, number I've, one? I've learned the lesson on this one. Um, in the times where I've gone against my rankings, it has ended disastrously. And I will give you an example. Uh, a couple of years ago, so I have one dynasty league against other analysts, and it's the Fantasy Pros Invitational. A lot of great analysts in that league. And I had won it in 2019. And I won it again this past season. Congrats. But in 2020, in the quarterfinals, quarterfinals, I had a, a decision to make. It was between Devin Singletary and my flex or Mike Gusecki. And my oh! rankings, my rankings said Gusecki. And I said, I probably just need a touchdown. The rest of my roster is so good. Who's going to have a better shot at touchdown? I'm going to go with the starting running back. I went with Singletary. Gusecki had – and. <laughs> Going back, Devontae Parker, I think, got hurt in that game. And then Gusecki had like two touchdowns. It was the difference. I lost. And just to to drive the, the nail even further, I followed it the next two weeks to see, like, if I had made it through, what kind of points would I have put uh, up? And I would have cruised awesome. to the title if I had made uh, the right decision there. So dude, I learned that one the hard way, not to, not to go against my worse. own work like an idiot. Yeah. We've all, well, I don't know if we've all been there to that degree. That kind yeah. of takes the cake, Justin. That is a great answer on this one. And thanks for sharing a little bit with yeah. about your history, getting to know you here as Whisper Nation jumps in. Moving forward now over to the news section of the show. Patriots running back James White announces retirement from the NFL after eight seasons. Congratulations on a job well done. A lot of incredible moments. And we just got to give you a shout out on Super this Bowl one. Champ. Super Bowl champ, three touchdowns against Atlanta. What an incredible performance. I guess this actually does give way, though, to a realistic fantasy football question. Justin, were you expecting James White to be heavily involved in the Patriots run game or overall offensive attack? And if so, what does this now do to Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, and your outlook on the weapons there in New England? Well, I think we knew this was probably coming. There was like a slight chance that maybe he would heal up and be able to come back at some point later in the season. But there was all the reports that he was walking around and sort of limping still and all this stuff. And at his age, at his position, those aren't things you want to hear during training camp. So it wasn't overly shocked, though. In one dynasty league, I did have an open IR spot and I grabbed him like last week, I think, and just threw him in that IR spot in hopes that maybe later in the season he would come back. But I've dropped him uh, earlier today, but uh, in that backfield now, I think this could be really interesting for Ramondre Stevenson. And we're hearing all kinds of speculation, right? Like Damian Harris could potentially be traded. I think that was more speculation than it was an actual report, Mm. but still it's showing you that that idea is out there. I think Stevenson profiles more as a three down back. I think they are excited about him. I think the fantasy community got a little too excited when he started taking first team reps on the first day of training camp. But still, the possibility is there, and I think the ceiling for him is a lot higher than it is for Damian Harris, who's kind of capped because he's just he needs the touchdowns. And last right. year he got him, and he was a, an okay fantasy back, but he doesn't have that running back one upside for fantasy. He's capped kind of as a, an RB2, right? So 
Stevenson is a guy that I definitely like grabbing in the middle rounds right now in hopes that he can take over that job. I'm not overly excited about any of the other backs in that backfield at the moment. I know some people are trying to talk up JJ Taylor or Ty Montgomery. Maybe one of those guys could step in. And I know Montgomery did get like a weirdly bigger contract than you would think he should get. So Mm -hmm. maybe they do kind of see him being that guy, but I'm not really excited about any of the other guys in that backfield. And Pierre Strong, for as much as he profiles well in that system, I haven't really heard much about him in the preseason to get me excited at all. So I think Stevenson's the guy to invest in. If you're doing a zero RB build and you can get Harris really, really cheap, maybe you grab him a little later and just hope that he can give you some startable games and and get you through to later in the season when hopefully you can find a better option. But in general, as a Bills fan all my life, I've tried to avoid the Patriots. Now, in the last few years when the Bills got better, I've opened it up a little bit more, but Overall, I do try to avoid the Patriots as much as I possibly that's can. That's a general one. That's that's pretty understandable. That is pretty understandable. Uh, moving here to Russell Gage, where he's dealing with an injury. It's reported as minor, Johnny, but this is likely going to keep him out of a couple of weeks of camp. This is maybe creating some more opportunities for Julio Jones down there with Tom Brady in Florida. How are you taking in this news? I mean, Julio Jones looks great uh, in those reels that we've seen and originally the russell gage injury looked pretty serious so it is good to know that hey it isn't uh oh, i think john can you turn your audio just up a little bit i think we hit we hit your audio oh there we go there we go uh yeah. sorry uh yeah so russell gage um it looked like a serious injury luckily it wasn't uh and so this is good news that it's not going to be um you know him missing along into the season the thing is, is Tom Brady's not even at the practice either. He's not supposed mm. to be back till like August 20th. Uh, so it's it's fine. It ends up being okay. It's all right. It's yeah. all right. You know, it's not all right. Nikhil Harry, man, oh. this guy's career has just been what it's been. And oh, it's continuing God. on as it's continued on. Pour one out for our man Nikhil here, who looks to be out for a couple of months to start. Best of luck for you moving forward, Nikhil. We'll jump over now to the Pacific Northwest. Rashad Penny's dealing with a bit of groin tightness, obviously concerning given the man's injury history in the past. As one door closes, another window opens, as they like to say, and that window could be for Kenneth Walker, who Pete Carroll is changing his tune on a little bit, said he'd feel comfortable with the second-round rookie back as a three-down back and said he turned the page with his pass protection feel way more comfortable now playing Kenneth Walker on three downs. Justin, how are you approaching the Seattle backfield? Uh, In general, I've stayed away from it, but if I'm going to take one of them, it's always been Walker. And I've been trying to tell people during the off season, like Rashad Penny, you had like three and a half years of him in and out of the lineup, inconsistency, him not really proving himself. And I know the way the fantasy community is, he came on down the stretch last year. He helped people win fantasy titles, and that's all everyone wants to remember. And he looked Poor great Lisa. in the process. He was fantastic. But we can't just sweep under the rug the rest of his career, right? This is a guy that is constantly banged up. He missed time at OTAs. Now he's missing time here. A guy that I definitely do not want to invest in. So go get Walker if you're going to get anybody. But in general, I mean, this is a backfield that this offense, unless they find a way to upgrade at quarterback somehow – Garoppolo finds a way to get there, which I don't think is going to happen. This offense isn't going to be that great. So Walker would be the only one that I would take a shot on because I'm interested in the unknown. Maybe he can overcome it. Maybe the line's a little better. I mean, they had a first round left tackle. Maybe they could improve in that way. They're going to have to lean on the run for sure here. So 
that would be the only guy that I'd be willing to grab in the backfield. Yeah, definitely not good for Penny when you're dealing with an injury and you're an injury plague p- per, uh, player. So that that sucks. Yeah, it certainly does. Speaking of some of these injury injury situations, Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack listed as the co-number one backs on Houston's first unofficial depth chart. I guess, Johnny, I really just want to know about, like, Rex Burkhead's Rex Burkhead. He's going to probably do what he's continued to do. He'll be there. He'll be all right for the team. He's going to be frustrating for your fantasy squad. Damian Pierce has had some positive news. It's the Marlon Mack year, if you ask the internet. But how are you feeling right now about this Houston backfield, Johnny? Well, now we know how it affects Marlon Mack. That's the giant question. Uh, they listen as a co number one. Uh, yeah. No, I, I. Here's the thing. I do think that uh, this ends up being Pierce's job at the end of the day. So I kind of like this because Damian Pierce was starting to get pretty hyped. I mean, we had a blurb come out last week or the other day, excuse me, saying he looks like the best running back uh, for this team. And I do think that he will be at the end of the year. Uh, And so this is kind of nice for that because it'll drive down uh, his price. If most people believe in the, you know, the depth charts, but here's the thing. Don't believe what the depth charts say right now because they're, they're funky. And so it's just comical. It's like troll boards, right? Yeah. It's basically, that's exactly what it is. And it's hilarious to me. Like people will, you know, Oh, like, Oh, this player is listed as, you know, RB three or wide. Who's listed as eighth? Who's listed as eighth? Yeah. Who oh, who was Tyler it? Algier? Thank you. Oh yeah, Tyler Thank Algier. It's like you guys Atlanta. don't even have eight running backs on your roster. <laughs> what are you What are you doing? But I put it in like an assistant yeah. coach. But it, and then it's like Brees Hall was like listed as RB three on on their depth chart. So it's just like don't necessarily believe in this. If if anything, use it as a, a bargaining chip to try and go get those players. That's what I would honestly do. Or vice versa, if it gets like super hyped, uh, like Wandale is right now getting super hyped for the Giants, it's like do the reverse and like go and try to sell them on the hype. Love that. Sell If you can trade hype for substance, you know Whisper Nation, I'm a big supporter of that. I'm a big supporter of you, Pizza Belly. What up, man? Glad to have you yep. back with us. Moving forward to... Clyde Edwards-Alaire and the Kansas City Chiefs. ESPN's Adam Tashir writes, don't be surprised if the Chiefs keep four running backs as this is the deepest group they've had in years. As the saying goes, if you got four running backs, maybe you don't even have one running back. But Justin, how are you approaching the Kansas City backfield? Are you getting gassed up on Isaiah Pacheco? Are you Where are you at here with Kansas City in their backfield? It's all about value. If I can get CEH on the cheap, you know, there's a, a chance still he could come through for us. I don't really believe in him, but you can see him fall sometimes in drafts to a point where I would be willing to take him. Pacheco, still a late round guy. I'm not going to get too crazy and grab him a few rounds above ADP or anything like that. But there's some best ball leagues where I have taken him. I had some hopes for Ronald Jones as you know maybe yeah, a goal line back and, and could perform that way for them doesn't sound like he's doing very well there it sounds you know the most recent report today was he's running with the third team now it's still early a lot of things could change here none of the other guys really profile like ronald jones as that kind of more pure runner but as the situation stands right now i'm not nearly as excited about jones so my next rankings update comes out tomorrow he's going to be dropping for sure but yeah overall i'm going to take some shots here even on jarek mckinnon more of yeah. a you know dynasty guy if you can get him and throw him on your bench sort of if you got a contender and hope that we get another late season run from him like we've seen him do before but but yeah overall i'm just looking for value there's no one that's really jumping out to me as somebody that i desperately have to have in that backfield 
Stay tuned. Catch those rankings. They're coming up. Whisper Nation, Justin Boone's got you covered. Najee Harris has been reported to be looking to have his reps lightened up. That's what the Athletics' Mark Kalobi writes, Kaboli writes. Uh, be more specific, running back coach Eddie Faulkner has been cited as saying he wants Harris to have seven fewer snaps per game in 2022. Someone did the math. There's some helium for backup runner Benny Snell, who had a rough 2021 season. Jumping straight to it, Johnny, I guess the question is, how does this impact Najee Harris, and does this give any added substance to any other running back that's not Najee Harris out of Pittsburgh? I mean, definitely. I mean, the seven fewer snaps is kind of funny to me uh, to be calculated out. Now, how many does that – what is that? One in a statistical world. Yeah. So, but – yeah, definitely, because part of what Najee, uh, Najee Harris, excuse me, uh, his allure was that, hey, he gets all of the carries and that he doesn't have to split his workload with any other running back. He was actually considered a true bell cow. But, you know, Benny Snell, if he becomes the short yardage guy uh, and then, you know, just those touchdowns, you don't want Najee to forego those because uh, then that will really hurt where he could potentially finish uh, as a top running back this year. So it definitely is concerning because this is a second time now that we've heard it this year. Usually where there's smoke, there's smoke. So uh, you got to look over there and, you know, am I going How much to- does this realistically move him though? Like maybe it's yeah. a little bit, but we're talking well, about seven snaps. Right. So like, that's what I'm saying is like, I'm once again, I'm not going to overreact to this and be like, Oh, now he goes from like, you know, potential being a top five, top seven running back to, you know, all of a sudden he's a, you know, low end RB two. I wouldn't say that, but I do think like, if I thought he was going to p- finish top five this year, it's probably more so in that like five to eight, five to nine range because of that. Cause you don't, Again, if he gets the goal lines taken away or even a portion of them, that's going to significantly hurt his overall finish. I think the thing to watch here that I'm really curious about is this could be a team where they grab a veteran after cut down day or right. Like they've brought in Jordan Howard for a workout. I don't think like Benny Snell, I don't think is going to be the guy. Uh, They have undrafted rookie Jalen Warren, who's gotten some hype in camp. Mateo Durant, another undrafted free agent, not as much. Anthony McFarlane, I think we know what he is at this yeah. point. So they really need to bring someone else. And maybe, hey, if Ronald Jones doesn't end up catching on with the Chiefs and, and staying on that roster, maybe he could be a guy that could slide in there and yeah. give them that role, right? That's a good take on that one. Keep an eye out. Moving on, here is the aforementioned Tyler Algier. He is listed as the eighth on the yeah, depth chart. Is. Just I know that this is a bit of a joke, and it's a funny one if you ask me, but I want to know if we should be By considering – are there any Falcons running backs that you're actually interested in? Are you approaching it from a value perspective? Are you fading out on this one? Obviously, we've got Quarrel Patterson. We've got Tyler Algier here who's coming in and making some noise. We were excited about Mike Davis a little bit from an opportunistic standpoint last season, and that was super disappointing. Atlanta now has changed their backfield a little bit. How are you approaching the Atlanta Falcons? Are you excited about Tyler Algier at all or any other players? As a prospect, I just see Algier as a grinder. I I don't Mm. really think he has a great receiving profile. I don't think that he is going to be able to emerge as like a star. He would have to be a volume guy in order to deliver. So as a late round guy, sure, I'll take a shot on him, but not somebody. Normally, I want a guy who has the complete profile who could potentially, if he gets the work, be that all round guy. I am kind of still excited about Cordero Patterson based on where he's going at this point, because last year we saw put up top 20 numbers. 
the guy really came through. And even if you don't get a full year out of him, if he can give me half a season where he's doing something similar to that again, I don't mind it. And if I go with a hero RB build, which I do a lot, which in Scott Fishbowl, I did grab that one running back early. And then I'm looking to try to find somebody a little bit later that could give me some good starts. And maybe if everything goes well, could give me a full season. Cordero Patterson is my RB two. Now, I kept going. I grabbed Daryl Henderson, who's somebody else who could potentially right. step up into a bigger workload this year. Uh, I grabbed both of Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce in hopes that one of them takes over the full-time yes. job. They yeah. combine to be that, you know, running back for them the whole year long. So I grabbed some other guys, but yeah, Patterson's somebody that I still think has pretty good upside in that yes. offense. They're going to move him around. They're going to use him as a weapon. And I think they're being really smart about it in OTAs this year they didn't practice him at all. And I don't think it wasn't because he had an injury. They are just resting him. They know how valuable he is to that offense. So I think that was very smart and a little bit telling that he is still going to have a big role on that team. Yeah, I haven't, we haven't heard a lot of Quero Patterson's steam in the off season. And I think your logic is spot on. And given the value, as you mentioned, is a really smart pickup on this one. I'm glad that we got a chance to bring that into the show. What is up? Speaking of coming into the show, Jersey J, join us. Hello, everybody. We're going to get to your trade question here. And once we finish the news, which is going to be over as soon as we talk about Rondell Moore, our last subject for the news on today's show, the Arizona Republic's Bob McMahon reports Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury wants Rondell Moore more fully utilized across the offense this season. He's a spark plug who was underutilized last year, but could be getting some more opportunity, Johnny. How are you feeling about Rondale Moore in this offense? I mean, I definitely do think he gets more uses, especially during the first six weeks that, uh, you know, we're missing our top Hopkins, you know. Uh, He will get utilized. They use him a lot more in what actually is considered the running game because the the quick screen outs because of where they are, they're technically considered a running back or they're, they're considered or viewed as a running play. So I do expect him to get more targets. We know how electric he is and how good he is when, and dynamic he is when he has the ball in his hands. So that's what they have to do. They have to get him in space. And so, you know, having Hopkins out of the lineup for the first six weeks will definitely allow you to do that. Now, Will he be consistent throughout the whole season? That's where I don't think he will because I don't think there are enough targets uh, to go around uh, once you have Hopkins back in here. You've got, you know, AJ, you've got uh, Hollywood, you've also got Ertz and the running backs. I just think that once you get that, then he's going to go back to a lot of what we saw last year until this wide receiver group um, clears out a little bit more. Yeah, I think for him, it's all about ADP. I think if you're getting him in like the 10th round or so where he's going, He's a fine guy to take a shot on at that mm-hmm. point. Yeah. And Marquise yeah. Brown started training camp banged up, right? Where can we be yeah. sure that Marquise Brown's going to stay on the field? Like he's not the the biggest guy. If he gets banged up, then they, they just have to get more involved a little bit more. It would be coaching malpractice if they don't find a way to get him the ball. It was so funny. They drafted him and, and Kime was like, oh, these guys will definitely be playing a lot this season. Like we're not drafting bench players. And it was like, bro, more just sat on the bench basically all year. We'll see about this guy next year. And let's see about Jersey Jay's question here. I just traded CD and Hunt plus a second round pick. And I got Rashad Bateman and Cam Akers needed running back depth. I picked up a team that I didn't draft. So I'm trying to fix it. 
I don't think you fixed Jay, it. Jay, I love you, man. Day. I don't know if you fixed it, though. <laughs> no, dude. I think you just made this worse. I mean, I do like Bateman, but I wouldn't have given CD. I don't Lamb like him more than CD. Yeah. CD over Bateman. And given the inconsistency and the question marks surrounding Acres, I'm going to take the question mark that Hunt has. Yeah. Maybe over the upside of Cam Akers. I, 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 I'm not down with this pick, especially the second round. But what are you thinking here, Justin, especially with like the Caker, Akers versus Kareem Hunt? I am definitely not on Akers. I think if Akers does get it right, it's not going to be until next season. And that's yeah. not to say he's not going to have some value this year. But I keep reminding everyone, Akers, as much as he's got a really cool name and everyone was on him, he is not a guy that was like an established star before he got hurt. I know he's young and there's a lot of hope that you know, there's advancements in the medical field and that he's going to be able to come back quicker than some other guys have come back. But in reality, most of these Achilles injuries for running backs, it takes more than a year before they're back to any sort of version of what they were before the injury. So for him, he's just a little over a year now after the surgery. I don't think that he is going to be 100% or at least the exact same version of him that he was before the injury at this point. And we had Edwin Porras of Fantasy Points, the injury analyst on my show a little while ago, and he talked about these Achilles tears. And what happens is it has to heal back up. And you just don't know what it's going to be when it heals back up. You don't know. It's not going to be the same. So is it going to be 100%, 90%, 80%? We don't know at this point. And there's been some clips where he's looked okay. But like I talked about having Daryl Henderson on a team before, I would much rather invest in Henderson than I would Acres this season based on their price and based on the fact that it might be a committee there. As much as they've gone with one guy before, I don't know that Acres is going to be ready to do that again. I think there's a, a potential chance here where Hunt could actually outproduce Acres this yeah, season. I, I if Hunt gets traded and ends oh. up in another situation, or if he stays in Cleveland and Chubb gets hurt, there are paths for Hunt to actually put up better stats than Acres this year. So when you're talking about dynasty, it's all about values. And I think right now looking at this season, acres value is probably going to go down before it starts to go back up in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, my, I love Rashad Bateman here, but CD lamb might lead the league in targets this year. Yeah. I, I really think that that was a, a pretty rough trade. Jersey J feels good about it. And as Ronald says, that's what <laughs> yeah. matters, buddy. Yeah. And that is what matters. We are playing a game based upon another game. Yeah. If you're not having fun, what the fuck are you doing, man? So, like, yeah. I am very happy with you to be having fun and doing that. And uh, I hear you on it. So, we'll keep moving forward, Jersey J. Love you, brother. We are going to now be touching in on the Fantasy Football Draft Kit 2022. You can catch this over at the score. Links are in the description, Whisper Nation. Do yourself a favor. Go ahead and check this out over at thescore.com. Some great information. Some really readable articles and insights here and do yourself a favor and go ahead and check that out. We're talking first about the sleepers section here, Justin, Jared Goff with the lions. You write, it's been a while since Goff posted back to back seasons as a QB one in fantasy points per game, but it did happen in 2017 and 2018 when he was a member of the Rams entering into his second year. So Goff has a top five offensive line. History producing as a quarterback one, returning weapons of Amon Ross St. Brown, Hawkinson, and Swift. He's also got new weapons, Justin, coming in with EJ Chark, Jamison Williams eventually. What do you see as the most aggressive ceiling outcome for Jared Goff this year? I, I don't see him putting up QB1 stats. I don't think he's going to be a top oh. 12 guy. But that's also just because there are so many good quarterbacks up at the top. It is really hard to crack that top 12 this year. But it wouldn't shock me if Goff was 
top 15 if he was sort of a, a high-end QB2. And it comes down to, I know in those Ram seasons, he had Sean McVay in his ear kind of telling him exactly what to do pre-snap and all that stuff. Yeah, that's great. But also, he had excellent weapons around him. And now with the Lions, he has excellent weapons around him. I don't know if people want to admit that at this point, but the guys that are coming back from injury are getting a healthy DeAndre Swift. Hawkinson, you were rattling him off a second ago, right? Now you have him on Russ St. Brown, who Goff is saying is the guy he's looking to in every possible situation. You improve the receiving core with DJ Chark. Eventually, you're going to get your first rounder, Jamison Williams, giving you something. Probably won't be until at least halfway through the year, maybe later in the season. But all of that on top of the offensive line being, I really wanted to put them top two. I ended up, I think I put them uh, fourth in my uh, offensive line rankings that went up the other day. So one of the best offensive lines now, not as much depth on that offensive line. So if they start to get some injuries like they had last year, it could fall apart pretty quickly, but their starting five could go up against any starting five in the league. They've invested in it quite a bit. So you're going to have great protection. You're going to have all these weapons. And from what we're hearing out of practice, he looks great. The beat Raiders are saying that Goff looks better than he ever has. Second year there, a little more on hard knocks. You see him on hard knocks. You're not buying the hard knocks. You know, I have not spike. watched hard knocks yet. I've only Ooh. seen clips. I have got to get that Dan yet. Campbell in your life, dude. <laughs> Campbell Dan Campbell clips. I love I those love Dan, Dan Campbell clips. Campbell, man. Yeah, he's fantastic. I, and what? He's proving people wrong. I think when Dan Campbell showed up with some of the quotes he had last year, everybody thought he was a meathead. Everybody Fighting thought kneecaps. this experiment was going to fall apart. Yeah, it is. And it didn't. They've actually been pretty good. They're playing hard for him. And they're making some really smart decisions in that organization. Yeah. So I like the Lions a lot this year. I think they're going to shock some people. And the fact that the defense isn't all the way there yet is going to force the offense to try to push the ball, right? So exactly. Let's go to back. Hey, so what you're saying, that offense hey, like crazy. So what you're saying is there is a chance. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm more than a chance. There's I, more than a chance, hey. John. You got a big chance. I'm getting some like chargers vibes out of this lions arsenal here with like keenan allen mike williams eventually monroe st brown jameson williams potent running back attack good tight end we'll see how that one ends up yeah. coming through moving forward that. though we got we were talking about it a little there bit cam makers and henderson right uh so you wrote while durability durability issues remain for henderson we know the 24 year old is capable of excelling and the t as the team's lead back when healthy he topped 80 yards from scrimmage in six of his first seven outings last year and maintained rb2 fantasy production until injuries derailed his season in week 12. so with you you know writing that i have a backup question here uh based off this so as you mentioned that mid-season run uh where henderson saw seven top 20 ppr finishes during that time do you think if cam makers does come out and struggle because you talked about how long it does take you know, players to come back from Achilles injury and seeing what, you know, Sean McVay's recent comments were, do you see there is a world where Henderson actually just, you know, snatches this job up away from uh, acres, or do you think it's only going to be if acres gets, you know, another injury that Henderson now uh, takes over this, this, job? I don't know. And we saw last year, I don't know that Henderson's a guy that's going to give you a full season. I think he's a guy that could give you half a season, could give you three quarters of a season. I think at some point, he kind of breaks down as well from what we've seen from him in his career so far. So it's, it's not that I think he's going to all of a sudden take over that role full time moving forward. And like I said earlier, it's not that I think acres is going to fall off the map. Another guy coming back from Achilles tear, James Robinson. It's a similar situation yeah. where he looks good. He he's out there. He's probably going to be out there in week one, but I don't think these guys are the same versions of themselves. Right. So I yeah. don't think, I think that's the bigger issue. It's not that acres isn't going to be out there 
and be involved in the backfield. And that's kind of a bad thing for fantasy, right? In both situations with the Jags and the Rams that you're going to have these guys out there that probably aren't going to put up great numbers themselves. And so now they're going to have to split with someone else. I think Travis Etienne is someone that I am excited about. I think Etienne has the potential to be like that Alvin Kamara guy where he doesn't need 15 carries a game. He's got the explosiveness, the game-breaking speed, the pass-catching skills where he could still give you really good fantasy numbers without being a, a true workhorse. I think Henderson, like last year, he needs most of the touches in order to be that I'm kind of guy. Good. So if he's splitting, it's probably not going to be great. He'd be a flex option at best in that scenario. But still somebody that I'm willing to invest in sort of in the range that he goes, you know, ninth, tenth round sort of in there. You grab him as one of those high-end backups, and not that we're hoping that Cam Akers does get hurt, but if Akers ends up going down again, we've already seen Henderson do it. Right. I love that. And this one's with KJ. This one's you, Johnny. Uh, uh, Sorry, my bad. Uh, The KJ Osborne, my fault. (laughs) KJ Osborne, you wrote. Uh, for the Minnesota Vikings with Adam Thielen banged up down the stretch. KJ Osborne took over a larger role in the offense and delivered with five touchdowns in the last six outings. Another Adam Thielen injury would severely unlock Osborne's potential, but with the Vikings expected to throw the ball more under their new coaching staff, Osborne could see production uh, rise regardless. Um, So with that being said, you know, Henderson, saw you know he he posted up four top 20 wide receiver finishes last year now you did talk about the new offense or new head coach new offense kevin o'connell coming in uh but he's bringing this rams offense which we just got done talking about uh just a second ago do you think that based upon that package coming in the rise of what kj osborne uh what we saw of him last year with his breakout potential there do you think that he has that number two option, you know, somewhat on a lockdown or does it, is it going to take Adam Thielen getting injured before you really see uh, Osborne become a steady person that you could throw in your flex or as a wide receiver too? Because I don't know if you've heard, but Patrick Peterson is just hyping up KJ Osborne on his, uh, on his podcast and saying he's electric and, and for fantasy players to look out for him. I think what we're going to see based on the new offense is more three receiver sets, which means more Osborne, which means more opportunities for Osborne. I don't think he's going to be the number two guy, though. I think that would require Thielen to get hurt. Thielen is still really good when he's out there. Like I have him. I do a risky picks. You should gamble on column. And Thielen is in there because in the last five years, I know he's missed time uh, two of the last three years. But if you're talking just fantasy points per game over the last five years, four of those seasons, when he's out there, points per game basis, he puts up top 12 fantasy numbers. Like, he is yeah, so he good does. still. He's scoring a lot of touchdowns. He's near the league leaders in receiving touchdowns the last few years. So that definitely helps. But there's also a report. It was a really strange report. I don't remember who put it out. But came out last week, I believe, where they were talking about the new coaching staff really wants to make sure they're using Thielen around the goal line. Well, everyone's been using Thielen around the goal line. He's yeah. been a, a great red zone weapon for a long time. So that, I don't think that's going to change or you know be increased anymore. But... The pass volume could go up. I think that's going to help both guys. It bumps Osborne up from somebody that fantasy managers probably didn't need to pay any attention to. He was going to be a waiver wire pickup if Thielen got hurt. Whereas now I think you can grab him as a late round guy and he could give you a potential flex value, wide receiver four, wide receiver five kind of value, some spike weeks for sure. He can make plays downfield. But really, 
this is another offense. There's a few offenses out there where the coaching staffs have changed. The situation has changed. And it's really important around this time of year for a lot of the casual fantasy fans are coming back now, right? Mm -hmm. And they got to figure all this stuff out. You got to start to realize that the Giants have a much better coaching staff. And that, you know, there's there's teams that have new quarterbacks. Russell Wilson in Denver just completely raises the ceiling there. Minnesota is a team that has a new coaching staff that's going to help. The new coaching staff is kind of even trolling the old coaching staff. They've talked about, <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. bringing a more modern approach to the offense and all this stuff. Like, <laughs> Getting it stuck out. We, well, we that, took the dust the- off the computers. We went ahead and wiped all the <laughs> dust off the computers in the lab. It didn't look like they've been used for the last couple of seasons. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that. But- well, so what's- I'm, I'm willing to grab Theon in the, you know, where he's going and take a shot on, you know, him giving me whatever he can give me for however long he's out there. But I also like Osborne as a, a later round guy. You know, you talk Justin at... Go ahead, Sorry, I was just going to say Minnesota has been one of those teams, you know, you talk about, you know, usually two to three teams every single year have two fantasy uh, wide receivers that finish top 12 and Minnesota actually and their slow offense, right, have <laughs> been that two out of like the last five years, I believe. So that's with the slow offense. You get this new offensive coordinator in that is revamping. Can you imagine new sky's the limit? So, yeah, I'm definitely in on Thielen for sure. That is legit excitement over there. And KJ Osborne, too. I like what you said there. It's not yeah. gonna he's not gonna take over Thielen's job. This is just good for the Vikings, good for the offense. And maybe you get a new weapon there in KJ Osborne with yeah. a little bit of appeal. Speaking of a weapons with some appeal, I'm taking Austin Hooper because I've been mm. hot on Austin Hooper. Well, since I got him in our dynasty league, <laughs> yeah. he's still an Atlanta Falcon, and he's just been <laughs> sitting there for the last couple of years through the Cleveland saga, but now. He's in Tennessee. And you write, during his final season with the Falcons in 2019, Hooper was the top-scoring fantasy tight end in all formats before spraining his MCL in Week 10. His 75 catches, 787 yards, and six touchdowns had him on pace for 104 reception, 1,182 yards, and 10 scores, and 6,000 fantasy points. (laughs) But if he had just stayed healthy the entire season. A little bit of hyperbole, but we're excited. No team has more vacated targets than Tennessee headed into 2022. We got Traylon Burks. He's a rookie. There's potential there, but there's some concern. There's some comments coming out of camp. We've also got Robert Woods, War Daddy, who's coming back. We're excited. Those have been good reports, but he is still on a new team coming back from a real injury. Cooper right now has got an ADP of 199. Has we've just like forgotten about Austin Hooper or is there some real points to move Austin Hooper this far back in the tight end pool? Can you speak more on Austin Hooper, Justin? Yeah, I think with Hooper, he's been one of the easiest players to figure out for fantasy. And we recorded our tight end preview show today, uh, the fantasy football score, fantasy football podcast. And I talked about how when it comes to sleepers for me. I think I lean more of the deeper guys because I feel like the guys that are higher up the list, everybody knows about those guys, right? It's hard to have like a real sleeper now because there's so much good coverage out there. <laughs> but when you're going down into the 190s or whatever ADP wise, I think Hooper is a pretty good sleeper. And I say that he's easy to predict for fantasy because when he was with the Falcons, they threw a lot. There was a lot of volume for him and he put up good numbers, signs the big contract, goes to the Browns. And it was pretty evident that he wasn't going to get the same kind of volume. They didn't throw as much. There were other weapons there, so he wasn't necessarily going to be relied on as much. And he struggled and didn't put up great stats while he was in Cleveland. Well, now he's going to a situation where really unproven receiving core. You went through it a bit. Love Robert Woods. We'll see what he can do early in the season and how quick he can get up to speed in that offense. Traylon Burks is going to be a good player in my mind. Mm -hmm. It's just Mm -hmm. going to take some time. And I think he's a guy that 
especially in dynasty. You want to try to buy the dip right now. If there is one, try to get him based on some of those negative reports that are out there, but how's he going to start the season? Is he really going to hit the ground running in week one? Or is it going to take him a little bit of time? I talked about when, after they drafted him, he's a guy that you can't just throw him out there and expect that he's going to be AJ Brown. You got to scheme it up for him a little bit. You got to find ways to get him the ball. That's how they used him in college. That's how he needs to be used in the pros. So hopefully the Tennessee coaching staff can figure that out. But in the meantime, they like throwing to their tight ends. It just so happens that in past years, they've used they've several multiple. tight ends, yeah, right? And that's the problem. Pretty sure Jeff Swain's still there. Maybe he'll be involved a little bit, but Hooper gives them a little more than they've had at that position. A little more talent, a little more reliability, I think. There's been some reports that he's really connecting with Ryan Tannehill, and he's been the guy that isn't injured right now. He's been the right. guy that didn't yeah. show up with all these you know, questions about his uh, – his conditioning like Traylon Burks did, right? He's been the guy that's been out there catching passes, having the chemistry with Ryan Tannehill. So I think for sure to start the season, I think he's going to be somebody that probably won't get drafted in a lot of leagues, but will be picked up on a ton of waiver wires. I think that's what we're going to see in the first couple of weeks. He's going to have some good volume games and it is volume. It isn't talent we're chasing here. It is volume, but not wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that sneaks into the low end tight end one ranks just based on that volume. Not at all. And Jersey Jay, I got some cool news for you. You're right. Hooper is so old. Homie's 27. <laughs> you just been Austin, around for a minute. Been Austin, he's but got a lot bro- of experience in the NFL. He's going to be 28 is, in October. That is the, the big, if only we, because you're right. It is super easy. They project, you know, this is a team actually does throw to their tight ends quite often, like 16 to 18% on, on average. And so there is absolutely a path there, but the problem is, is they do that. They do the worst thing for fantasy uh, players and that they do, they swap out, they have a yardage tight end and then they have a goal line package tight end. And just when you think, Oh, you know, my, my awesome tight end for Tennessee is really balling out. You look at your thing and be like, oh, you realize it's like their third or fourth string tight end that they put in on a blocking package and decided to run him in the red zone instead of, you know, the main guy like Johnu or something. Uh, so disappointing. But yeah, Hooper has a path for sure. I like that one. Moving Austin, over to the breakout really sections. One. Yeah, I like I, I love me some Austin Hooper here. Yeah. Moving over, and I think he's gonna, I think he's actually gonna do pretty well. I think in the tight end one question is or question tight end one mark is it's got a lot of things working in that direction. Moving on though, here to the breakout section. Johnny's gonna take this one here. Yeah, I got a couple of questions uh, on these these breakouts I'd like to expand upon. Uh, first one that you wrote about was Tua, uh, our guy, Tua Tagovailoa. I don't know. I I could usually say it right, but you got a big guest on <laughs> Justin, so I'm like sputtering here. So you wrote, after returning from injury in week six, Tua was the QB 17 in fantasy points per game while playing most of those contests without Devontae Parker, your boy, and Will Fuller, uh, now off superstar Tyree Kill playing alongside stuff so- stud sophomore Jalen Waddle and what should be a much improved Miami offense under new center, uh, new head coach Mike McDaniel. And you've also got you know tight end beast Mike Jacecki over there. Uh, you've also got Cedric Wilson that comes over from Dallas. So my question is, Justin, do you think that we aren't considering Tua? as one of these quarterbacks that could take one of these leap, you know, the, what we're trying to say Justin Fields will do and what we're trying to say uh, Trey Lance is going to do is the answer actually going to be Tua because he's got the best weapons 
realistically, when you actually put it all together, you've got an offensive uh, head coach. You just talked about all these movement pieces, uh, uh, snowbirds coming back and having to, you know, learn about where these guys are. And you get Mike McDaniels coming over, bringing that West Coast offense. Do you think Tua, who's only had five top 12 finishes in his first few years in the NFL, do you think he can jump into being a top 12 quarterback this year? And if anything, can he be more consistent? Because that's the bigger part of it. I think he is going to be more consistent. I think there's still going to be those games where he's going to make some boneheaded passes and he's going to end up with some really questionable interceptions. But when you have that much talent around him, he's going to have some great fantasy games. Don't think it's going to be enough to get him into the top 12, but he's going to be on the fringe, in my opinion. He belongs right around that top 15. And when you look at it right now, it's not just all the skill position players. I love that they are stacking the deck for him. They're trying to bring in all these guys. A lot of the smart organizations have done that with their young quarterbacks. That is how you should do it. Chicago Bears, go get somebody for Justin Fields. Help this guy out a little bit. But focusing on Miami, it's not just the skill position players. It's the offensive line too, right? To go and get a stud left tackle like Tron Armstead and durability concerns there. Hopefully he doesn't miss any time. But you put him on a line that has a lot of draft capital on it already. They have spent a lot on that line. He can help stabilize things. That helps Tua out. There's a lot of things working in his favor this year. And a lot of the camp reports have been great. Not that we want to overvalue those. I know I keep kind of leaning on those a bit and we're talking today, but those are fresh on our mind. And I'm pretty diligent about going through that stuff and not overreacting one way or another to it. But when you hear the drumbeat from many beat writers, from yeah. the team, from fans there. We're seeing all these clips of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and these big plays, and now they're going against the Bucks defense in practice yeah. today, and they're still getting it done. There's a lot of excitement there on top of the fact that people buried Tua way too quick. No, he's, yeah, not, right? he's not Burrow. He's not Herbert. No, those guys are outstanding. Tua's a notch below. But still, you can't give up on this guy based on a rookie season where he got thrown out there halfway through the year. Probably shouldn't even have played based on the college injury, and I don't even know if he was ready yet. They throw him out there. He didn't look great. He's a guy that needs that rhythm. He needs that precision and timing. And hopefully in this new offense, he'll be able to have that with all the weapons that he has there who can help him out quite a bit. Some of these yak guys like Tyreek and like Jalen Waddell who can do things with the ball after the catch. I'm excited to see what they can do. And yeah, I think two is going to be better than people think. I think he's going to have a really good season. Got a question about our, our guy here. This is, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Justin. I I'm late to this year's Ayuk bandwagon, but as of last week, like Wednesday of last week, I am right in the thick of the hype train <laughs> all for Ayuk. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Hyping it up. Here, you agree with that. You wrote, uh, will this be the year I puts it together for a full season? During the season, during his rookie season, excuse me, he was the wide receiver 15 in fantasy points per game, 16.4 from week three on. Then, after starting his sophomore campaign in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse, Ayuk was the wide receiver to 13.4 fantasy points per game over the final 10 outings. His ADP as the wide receiver 42 is in the seventh round, simply doesn't project uh, reflect his potential. I completely agree. I do think that Ayuk is falling massively behind after seeing you know a ton of 
games where he was in this doghouse and he was playing less than 90% of the snaps from week nine, which was when that story came out that he was in the doghouse and that they talked about it. Uh, he didn't go less than 90% after that in a snap count uh, from then on. And during that time, he finished as a top 12 wide receiver three of those weeks. So I my question for you, Justin, is do you think that players should actually be going after Brandon Ayuk is Brandon Ayuk the wide receiver you want to target because of the value is so much better than what what you're going to be paying for a guy like Debo Samuel or do you think that Debo Samuel's you know ADP is still justified and you like both of these wide receivers yeah I, I like them both and I think with Trey Lance there Trey Lance getting that to a tag of Iloa treatment from the media and everyone right like the fantasy community has been yeah. very excited about him but there are a lot of people out there that want to just crush this guy for some reason. I don't get it. He's going to be really good for fantasy. He's got the rushing ability that Tua doesn't really have. So that raises his floor even more. And he has fantastic weapons. Some concerns about the interior of their offensive line. Um, hopefully we see some guys emerge there and they can figure it out. They got two pretty good tackles. They have the best tackle in the game. And hopefully uh, McGlinchey can figure it out as well. They're on the right side, but when you look at this offense, I want to take shots on Debo and on Ayuk. Mm. And you say you're late to the party. I think I was early to the party on Brandon Ayuk because I have been pumping him for a couple of years now. All offseason, I've had him mm. around wide receiver 30 in my rankings, which is significantly ahead of everybody else. The talent we have seen, the numbers are there. His metrics over his first season, they compared to some of the best receivers yes. out there. Like he is yeah. right up He's there. Really this good. is a guy that it was only a matter of time before he figured it out. And I got scared for a little bit that Kyle Shanahan was going to break him. But no, he came out the other side of that even stronger. And now we're hearing he's a leader on the team. He's out there and he's helping everyone else. And maybe it benefited him in the same way that having Jimmy Garoppolo out of the picture this offseason helped Trey Lance emerge as that guy. Yeah. Having Debo Samuel kind of sitting out with his contract situation, that kind of thrust Ayuk into a bigger role. And I think yeah. that's probably going to help him and help this team in the long run. So very excited about this offense. I think they're going to be able to take more shots downfield with Trey Lance at quarterback. I think he's got a much bigger arm, very, very big year coming from San Francisco. This is one where when everything comes together and it is going to come together at some point, there'll be some speed bumps along the way. There'll be some issues early in the season where Lance has some interceptions. He shouldn't, and he's going to get it figured out. They have a great system, great yeah. weapons. And he is somebody that the potential is just so high if he brings it all together. So really excited about him. Very excited about Brandon Ayuk. And I think I looked before the show uh, on underdog. His ADP has started to come up a little bit with all this hype. So I think he's going around wide receiver 37, I believe at the moment. So he is on the move up, but I would take him even earlier than that. I think he's, when, we, had Dwayne that we had Dwayne McFarlane on our show a little bit before, and he was talking about, breakout players and different metrics you look at through years two through six for the wide receivers. Brandon Ayuk touches all of them and his rookie season. He did too. I mean, this guy had over 800 yards, his rookie season and his PFF numbers are like comparable just behind Justin Jefferson's in his rookie year. He's coming in in great shape. This is a first round selected wide receiver. Like this guy has all the pieces and the doghouse narrative it's hard to ignore the validity of what that is and how strong a second half finish. I am so on board with, with Brandon. Ayuk. I think he is drastically under drafted right now, like way under drafted and it's going to rely on Trey Lance. But as you point, like there's a lot of possibilities for it all to come uh, together. 
I'm pissed at myself because I'm like, man, I could have really taken advantage because his value was so low. Well, you were like, never going to get him in Dynasty. So you were never going to oh. get him in Dynasty for me because that was mine. And you talking, talk about being the first of the party. Best ball. I'm just talking. Well, there, there you ball. go. Like, I, I yeah, didn't even get him in best ball. So we're feeling pretty good about Brandon Ayuk. There's some players that we're not feeling so good about. And this is the last section we got here, Justin. You outlined some of the busts that you are looking at in this season. We're going to start off with what has been one of my favorite picks here in Matt Stafford. I mean, hey, we got a top five overall player last season, almost 5,000 yards passing and over 40 touchdowns thrown. He gets Allen Robinson as his number two, but... You are not feeling it, Justin. You write the 34-year-old received an anti-inflammatory injection in his right elbow to address an issue he had played through last campaign. That forced Stafford to rest his arm all offseason with a plan to resume throwing when training camp began. The biggest change for Stafford will likely come on the offensive line following two-time All-Pro Andrew Whitworth's retirement. You close it out saying, even if Stafford overcomes all of these obstacles, his upside in fantasy might be lower than people realize, though he finished with the fifth most fantasy points among quarterbacks last season. He was QB 11 in the more meaningful stat, though, of average points per game. Is this where you're still at on Matt Stafford? Are you fading him to this day? I talked earlier about the top 12 quarterbacks and how I'm really trying to get one of those top 12 in drafts. And normally it's not that hard to get one of the top 12 because you're in a 12 team league. As long as you don't let somebody else get a backup, you're going to be okay. (laughs) I I would try to do that because I think the top 12, all of those guys have a shot to be top five this season. And I want that kind of ceiling in my fantasy quarterback. Stafford is quarterback 13 for me right now. And when you look at it, it's just the degree of difficulty is going to be higher. He's entering the season with this elbow issue. I don't think it's going to be a question of, is he going to be out there week one? I think he's looked pretty good in practice throwing the ball recently. And a lot of the reports are positive. It's a question of halfway through the season. Is that elbow really bothering him? Is it starting Mm. to affect him? Is it causing problems with his throws? That's when it starts to come into play, right? And when you talk about a quarterback that doesn't really have that rushing upside, he doesn't really give you much at all on the ground. Mm -hmm. He needs to have a big touchdown total. He needs to have the huge yardage total in order to get up into that quarterback one range. And a guy that's going into the season with an elbow issue, that just makes me kind of scared. In addition to the things that you talked about there and that I wrote about with the offensive line changes and stuff, there's just enough red flags that I'm going to keep him outside of that top 12 in part because the top 12 is so stacked and in part because I do have some concerns about him and whether he's going to last the whole season this year. So that's really what it comes down to. I'm not moving him below the guys I have just below him, like uh, Derek Carr and Kirk cousins. I haven't moved him below those guys yet, but not a top five. We're not looking at him as a top five. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near the top five this year. You know, you talked really, really quick, funny side story on the rushing upside of Matt Stafford. Yes, he doesn't have any. I was able to land my biggest fantasy bet win of the season on underdog in the Super Bowl, where I picked the over for his rushing attempts at 2.5, only because I I looked up and confirmed that a kneel down is a rushing attempt. And I'm like, (laughs) I think they're going to win this game. And I think I'm going to get at least two kneel downs from that. He had one little rushing attempt. He got one. And the last play of the game, his second kneel down to win the game for the Rams, netted me like 500 bucks. What is it that you guys do here? You give the clap. clap, There you go. Well done. There we go. There we go. 
Love Moving it. forward here to Dallas Goder. A lot of people have been up on Dallas Goder. He seems to have a decent rapport with Jalen Hurts. Development-wise, should get more. We got Zach Ertz out for the entire season now. But you're not buying it on this one. Justin, you right after a slow start. Goder did come alive down the stretch. Unfortunately, the presence of alpha receiver like A.J. Brown and sophomore wideout Devonta Smith could spoil the tight end's weekly upside. In a passing attack projected to be middle of the pack at best in terms of volume, Godard isn't a horrendous pick, but his ceiling isn't as high as it could have been before Philadelphia traded for Brown. And the reports out of camp have just been A.J. Brown looking like the main vein of that attack. Are you just more confident now in this Dallas Goddard fade? I think there's a few things that factor in here, like middle round tight ends, not the best bets year over year. Like I just don't see the elite guys are so strong and it, it's wild, like how much better those guys are than essentially everyone else and how the other guys don't have a chance to come anywhere near those numbers. They're not going to get the same kind of volume. They just don't have it. Now, talent wise, I think Dallas Goddard talent wise could be up in that range if he got the volume, but how on earth is he going to get it with A.J. Brown there? With Devonta Smith, who I also have kind of as a bust, I think he's probably going to produce a little mm. less than people think this year. It's just because now you have this alpha in an offense where the Eagles want to pass more. They tried last season early in the year to be a, a heavy pass team. Jalen Hurts really couldn't get it done. They went the complete opposite way and became this heavy rushing yeah. team, and that worked. I think in the end, they're going to have to settle somewhere in the middle. I don't think Jalen Hurts can run a, a really pass-heavy offense, even with A.J. Brown there. I think they need to find a nice balance between the two. And that means without having extreme volume in that offense to kind of get everybody going, it means that A.J. Brown is still going to get his and everyone else is going to be kind of inconsistent in that offense. So it's enough for me to be concerned based on where you have to take him. And the fact that he is sort of a household name already yeah. and somebody who we've just been waiting for, get Hurts out of the way. He's going to step in and he's going to be this great fantasy player. And then it finally happens for us here. And now he doesn't have the most accurate quarterback. And now he's got AJ Brown there. And so I think people have been waiting for this. They're going to draft him like it's the time now. And I just don't think they're going to get the kind of high end numbers that they're going to hope for. Yeah. I'd rather just grab one of those upside guys way on the backside. Exactly. I'm going to pick it up. Our last subject here with Justin is our boy, Amari Cooper. I mean, this man has this been pretty good coming out of Alabama, right? Number one, baby. Amari's <laughs> been a wide receiver one in five out of the last seven seasons he's played. There's a lot of vacated targets in Cleveland and not a ton of ton, not a ton of competition for catching passes. With that said, Justin, you wrote in the midst of dealing with those injuries, he was also trying to fend off CeeDee Lamb. This is back in Dallas for the number one wideout job on the Cowboys, a role he won't need to compete for with the Browns. However, being the lead receiver in Cleveland might not result in the same volume. Kevin Stefanski's offense ranked 28th in pass attempts each of the last two years since he took over and tends to favor a more balanced passing attack. The Browns haven't had a pass catcher top 900 yards under Stefanski, and no one's averaged more than 56 yards per game. Woof. While, Cleve, while the move to Cleveland could ultimately be good for Cooper's value over the next couple of years, it's not without its complications in 2022. Expecting him to post top 24 start stats in a new environment with an uncertain quarterback situation, it's a tough sell. Expecting him to post top 24 stats in the new environment, it's a tough sell 
situations so, so to sell. So important it twice. twice. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I was, to be honest, I was all aboard the Amari Cooper train. I'm like, you need to draft him. He's got upside. He's got a good situation over there in Cleveland. I'm reading more about Kevin Stefanski, and I know there's questions, of course, with some of the injuries with Jarvis Landry, some of the interpersonal issues with Odell Beckham, but still, the numbers are the numbers. Can you expand a little bit about on the Amari Cooper take here as our last subject? Yeah, I don't know if there's that much more needs to be said. Like, all the injuries that he's had the last couple of years, basically everything lower body, he's had it. And now this year, already missing some time, I believe it's an ankle issue that he's had in camp. So he's missed some practices there. There's just so many red flags. And you read the whole thing that there's so many red flags. And when I'm talking about these busts or the guys that you think could disappoint, it's normally not just one thing. It's situations where you got a bunch of different things stacking up. And I think Mm -hmm. with Cooper, when someone like him changes teams at this point in his career, yes, if he was playing with Deshaun Watson, it would be a different story. But right now, I don't think we can project that Deshaun Watson is going to be playing very much this season. I know the report before we came on was that Watson's willing to negotiate sort of an eight-game suspension, a little bit of an upgrade there from the six games that was recommended. Of course, he wants to try to set his own punishment, right? right? Like, Of course, he's trying to negotiate now because all the reports (laughs) are that they're going to take him out for the whole year. Yeah. So it might end up being 12. It might end up being the season. We're not going to see that much Deshaun Watson this year. And that means Cooper's going to have to deal with, you know, whether it's Brissett, whether they end up making a, a deal or picking up Jimmy Garoppolo if he gets released. Regardless, that is not going to be a, an upgrade from a pretty good quarterback situation he's had in Dallas with Dak, right? So we're talking about like a downgrade at quarterback now. We're talking about all these yeah. injury issues he's dealt with. We're talking about an offense <laughs> that probably isn't going to feature him that much. Just a guy that now I'm I'm pretty concerned about. And somebody that in the ra- in that range, there are so many of these younger breakout guys uh, Rashad Bateman, who we touched on earlier, Elijah Moore, Amonra St. Brown, mm-hmm. Gabe Davis. Like, there's so many names. That's just, I'm just scratching the surface. Right. There's yeah. so many guys in that range that I want to try to load up on that Cooper just does not end up on a lot of my teams. Yeah, I like this. I like, this is one of those that, like, I thought I was in on Cooper, and I love, like, the argument that you made, and it's just like, yeah. No, this is this is what I should have been looking at. I don't hate him in Dynasty, but in, like in redraft, I am right there with you. All of yeah. those new news. It's like I, between old news and new news. We know what old news is about. Give us some new news on this one, especially when that old news isn't incredible. But this has been an incredible time getting to spend it with you, Justin. You yeah. sharing your insights and takes, making us smarter, making Whisper Nation smarter. And we really appreciate you for that. Last question before we kick it to you to close out with where we should be following you at is, are there any general fantasy football philosophies or go-tos that you hold really close season to season? Off the top of my head, I don't know that there is. One that I I went on a rant on our show today Mm -hmm. about clickbait headlines. And this is, it isn't just fantasy football. This is like, life in general but talk about it all the time yeah people see these headlines and i see it even with my work i'll put an article up and someone will just read that i have a player on the bus list and they'll comment and say well whatever he shouldn't be on that list and it's like did you read did you actually read what i wrote like did you read the argument and most of the time when i respond they haven't no they just look at at the name. name They saw the name crazy and i'll go one step further i'll put up fantasy rankings and i'll rank tom brady 10th and i get a bunch of comments about how could you put him 10th 
he's the best quarterback in the league. How could he not be number one, right? People not even realizing it's a fantasy article. That one's kind of silly, <laughs> but that one always makes me laugh when it happens and it's happened more than once. That's why I bring it up. But oh, yeah, great. whether it's some of these sites that aggregate, aggregate the content, whether it's, you know, some of the things that people put out on Twitter and they start getting shared, you can't just react to one headline because you're putting so much faith in the person that grabbed that, that story and sort of put it out in front of you and gave it a new headline, you're putting so much faith that they're understanding that properly. And a lot of these times they are not. Click through, read the story yourself, read the quotes yourself, figure it out on your own. And very often it is not the same story that was being no. sold to you the first time. So I try to make sure I do that myself. And I try to make sure everybody that follows me does that as well, because it's going to make you a better fantasy player if you're going to the heart of it and getting the actual information as opposed to just taking whatever you're spoon fed by someone else. Wise words from Justin Boone. It has been a joy and a uh, just a privilege to get to chop it up here with you. We know you're the lead fantasy analyst over at The Score. Can you let the people know where they can follow you and if there's anything they should keep an eye out for things you're working on? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Uh, we talked about it earlier, The Score Fantasy Football Podcast. We're at two episodes a week right now. We'll go up to three episodes a week during the season and the score fantasy football draft kit. It's got all my content in it. The award-winning rankings. We're updating it daily. Tons of new content going in there. Like I mentioned, the offensive rankings went into the other day. We're putting new mock drafts up and I'm constantly updating everything in there. The breakouts, the bust. If new news comes down, I'm going to update those posts to make sure that everybody's up to date. And the best thing about it is it is free. The score has given it to you for free. So make sure That's you awesome. check that out. You heard it here first. Go ahead and follow him. Whisper Nation, we got the links that we pulled the articles and the takes from in the description, as well as Justin Boone's social and links to his articles over at The Score. Go follow him. Click on the links. Yeah. I'm Austin Steer. That's Johnny Game Time Hicks. We're the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Peace. Right here. Hey, do you like mock drafts? We do too. You can come back every Monday and mock with us. Check out one of these videos and make sure you're liked and subscribed.